everybody. Sean Hamill here with another episode of the Origins Podcast. Today I have Brandy Hooker Evans on the show looking very red and festive. Brandy, how are you today? Well, apparently ready for Christmas. How are you this morning, Sean? <laughs> I'm good. And just so everybody listening knows, she just got back from Italy. She was just bragging to me about it. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Rubbing it right in. No, for everyone that pops on, if you take nothing else from today, if there's somewhere you want to go, a culture you want to see, a food that you want to eat, I this is your permission slip. This is your please go for it. This is write it down and make it happen. Go do it. What was your favorite food over there? What did, what did you guys eat? Was it like desserts? Was it pasta? All of it. So I'm a foodie in general. And in Italy, they're very, very good at coffee. They're very good at homemade pasta, very delicious vegetable creations. The sauces are incredible. Tiramisu is my favorite dessert of all time. And so the kids and I, like, <laughs> we, we, always, we would go on an adventure, like, who has the best tiramisu? And so we try it everywhere. And um then the other thing that Italy is so famous for, and it is legit, is their wine. Is okay. It's amazing. It's it's delicious, and it's just so with the food and the wine and the coffee and the sparkling water. The tiramisu is so entrenched in their history, their heritage, their long love for creating things that matter which i particularly love because we all have to eat mm -hmm. and so adding that ritual that love that complete dedication to serving the people around you with the food that they prepare just makes my soul sing sean <laughs> <laughs> well in dinner dinner in italy is like an event right don't they go like late into the night right or start it late maybe they start late, go late into the night, and then in the morning when you're up ready for breakfast, everyone's still passed out. So it's a little difficult as an American trying to find, you know, a lot of the cafes will be open for like coffee and pastries, but the actual breakfast where you can get some great protein, and I start every day with a vegetable, all of that is later. <laughs> so like second breakfast. It's, it's, it's like brunch after you've had early morning breakfast but yeah dinner reservations if you it, most of the restaurants don't even open until 7 30 p.m holy cow okay it's it's a different way of living but i love it well i'm glad you're back stateside even though i'm sure you're maybe a little bit bummed just a smidge bummed to be back and not eating dinner at eight nine ten o'clock drinking wine and coffee yeah a little bit I, you know i will always go back to Italy, but I also love, love, I live in Idaho, Sean. I love to cook. So when I'm not out eating someone else's, you know, creation, I'm at home making my own. So we're good over here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you finally being able to, to do the podcast. I know we had some rescheduling snafus between both of our schedules. So always awesome to see what you're up to. I follow you obviously on socials. Um, usually we're kind of chasing each other around the country, but um, I mean, you're so varied in, in what you do. Obviously, starting in hygiene, you speak, you're an author, you do consulting. I mean, Stellar Outcomes, we were talking about before we started recording, is just kind of a conglomerate of all of this stuff that you do. So tell everybody, what, what are you up to? What's the end of this year? What is 2024 looking like for you? And then, of course, we'll get into how did you get here? 
Fabulous. So I'm really excited. I am in the publishing process of Dentist, Hygienist, and Cows. I completed my manuscript this year. My goal was before school started, before the summer was over, and I was able to achieve that. So I'm super pumped to be able to share with the world and our community uh, a little bit different take on how to show up clinically as a team. Uh, as a dental hygienist, there's tons of information in there that are that is related directly to hygiene. But really, as a healthcare professional, even if you're a front office worker in a medical clinic, this philosophy of care and living is my hope going to be a tremendous blessing to the world because I worked really hard and had lots of failures and lots of successes on the journey to um, creating this plan for individualized care and really quality uh, teamwork. And I always think that when you fall on your face, your job is to then tell someone next how to not fall on their face. And then when right. you figure out how to do something good, again, your job is, hey, let me bridge this gap for you a little bit easier. And my hope is that the professionals that this um, book gets to reach will then be inspiring to the next group of professionals to take what I've been able to make and then run with it. And I, I, I hope to see it just get better and better over time. Well, that is amazing. When does it come out? I'm so excited. I think the launch date, soft launch is March 10th, but then um, probably April. I'm hoping for before the 16th because that is my 40th birthday. Oh, so. boy. That's my birthday present to myself, like a tremendous amount of work. I'm a geek. What can you say? <laughs> <laughs> and then you're going to go back to Italy and take your book, make it international bestseller. Oh, my goodness. Did I just plant a seed of, of an idea? I think that that might be a seed that I must <laughs> Well, congratulations. That's amazing. With all the success, I mean, I know you, I, we were talking, too, before we started recording of how it is our paths crossed. Um which I do think I probably just cold emailed you and was like, Hey, I see you in a lot of the same circles. How have we not met yet? Kind of a thing. I think that's what happened. So we'll go with that one. Yeah. We were just, we were just meant to be pals. And so here we are on November. What is it? Today, 30th. It's today, the 30th. 30th. Yeah. It's nice. the last day of November. Nice. Tis the end. Tis the end. You've already got your Christmas garb on. You're ready to roll. We had our office Christmas party yesterday. It was delightful. And I felt so accomplished because I, I, you can imagine, love a to-do list. And I'll write things on a to-do list that I've already done just so I can cross them off again and be, like, accomplished. Right? Just so, have that mental, like yeah, satisfying. Check. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Proposal. What else did I? I made the bed. Check. Nice. <laughs> you know, like adding the things that you already did. And so that way, when you look at the thing that you don't want to do, it's not as daunting because, hey, that thing's not done, but six other are. So who's complaining? Not me. Supposedly, there is, there's like legit evidence behind that logic. Like if you read Atomic Habits, which is one, probably my favorite book ever, he talks about doing that. Yes. Like giving yourself the little, hey, look at what you did accomplish today when you feel like you haven't done anything mm -hmm. and like setting your rhythm. So mm -hmm. great, great little nugget right there, folks. Make a list of the things you have done and put them on your to-do list. 
Right. There's so much that we do that we just take for granted because our brain has done them enough times that we don't have to occupy the brain space, which is good because of every single time you put your pants on, you had to remember how to put your pants on, right? You would spend a lot of time not getting real things done, but getting your pants on is in, if you need a little motivation for what you've already done and need to write that down, I am in 100% full support of your, um, uh, efforts there. And I love that book. I'm so glad that you brought that one up because it's, it's about those little things that add up to be something big and beautiful and wonderful. And I would invite everyone that's joining us today to consider that that doesn't just mean business. That doesn't just mean writing a book. That means what kind of a life do you want to live and what kind of legacy are you hoping like I, I just listened to this, um, the book of joy. I don't know if you've read that or not, but it's with the dad. It. It's mm-hmm. incredible, an archbishop tutu. Um, and they talk about if you, if you envisioning your funeral, if you die, like, what is it that you want people to remember about you and say about you? And, um, not for, you know, Sean and Brandy were awesome and they conquered the world, <laughs> but man, when I sat down with Brandy, she was with me. My kids, you know, they're like, man, my mom, she worked, but we, we had lots of fun and we cooked dinner in the afternoon. And, and when she would get home from a work trip, we would sit and chit chat about all the things. And she would take whole weeks off just to hang out and be available. And, you know, those are the things that are included in those atomic habits of what you're trying to achieve, not just business. And I think that's one of the messages I've been called really loudly to share is you are enough right now. And as you're building something, make sure that it's that 360 view of, yes, you're a professional, but you're also a son or a daughter and a brother and a husband or a wife or a friend, you know, start going down the list of what are are the other things that bring you joy and are going to be everlasting beyond your short number days on this earth. Absolutely. And that's one of the things about that book that in talking to other people, because I try to recommend it to everybody. Like mm-hmm. when you, when you hear atomic habits, you think grandeur, like you think huge, but it's actually the opposite. Like it's a, on the atomic level, everything is very small and granular and, and all of that stuff. Uh, that's one of the things about that book that I love is it's big goal, micro, your way there, like take like reverse engineer and little bitty steps. So like putting on pants, right? That's a big win if you're going to go out in public that day. So those little sure. things really do add up. For sure. And think about how much work, effort, and how many hours it took you as a small child to learn how to be able to do that for yourself. Mm-hmm. So we take it for granted now, but that was a huge accomplishment when you were small. And so that, I think, readjusting we live in this world especially in western world america in particular we think you look at the instagram and the influencers are all over the world every single week and they've got these multi-million dollar companies and there's all this amazing success and if you stop sleeping then you can achieve it all (laughs) but that's like so unappealing Mm -hmm. to me and I think to the people that are chasing that carrot and they don't know why they don't feel good or they never feel like it's enough. And um, did you read the subtle art of not reading it? I'm not giving it. I F. did. I did. Yeah. So I love that book too. I was surprised <clears throat> that it was actually quite spiritual. 
Yeah, he's he's a phenomenal writer. Like everything that I don't even know his like little quips on social media are things that just make your brain vibrate. Like he's phenomenal with he's a wordsmith for sure. He really is a wordsmith, and he tells he being Mark Manson. Sorry, but oh, yeah, anybody yeah. that's not reading, yeah. Um, and one of the take home messages out of that book was to make sure that you're using a barometer to measure your life and your success that's appropriate for you, because if you pick someone else's barometer, you'll never measure up or you'll always be way over the top. Like it has to be your. And so, for example, Brandy Hooker Evans, I want a really robust life of love and light. I want to receive it from other people. I want to give it as much as possible. I want to make a positive impact with my family and with the dental community, both. And I don't want to be exhausted. I did that for enough years in mm-hmm. my life. And it, it, it is, it, first of all, it's not wise. If you haven't read Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker, this is book club. Guys, you signed yeah. up for an origin story, but really it's book club today with Brandy and Sean. <laughs> Uh, Why We Sleep is incredible. If you have not, I would recommend listening to it on Audible. The reader is a phenomenal voice and very easy to listen to um, at a 1.2 speed, of course. (laughs) I thought I was the only person that did the Munchkin voice on on Audible, but some of the narrators are way too slow. Well, and you have to consider, like, even with a podcast, so you and I are speaking at a comfortable conversation banter, maybe a little bit faster than typical, but like as high functioning people, that's common. Mm-hmm. However, when you're one sided listening, your brain listens way faster. So if you don't tick up that speed, then you find yourself getting distracted and lost more often. So there's a audible, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera, hack tick up the speed so it matches your personal listening speed. And I know I have friends that listen even slower because they truly absorb all the information and even a regular conversation paces too fast. So, you know. Wow. I'm always, my mind drifts and then I have to go back and re-listen and re-listen because I think about something else and inadvertently realized if I, spe- if I sped it up, it kind of kept my brain from doing that, obviously. Igual, that's me too. Yeah. Well, yeah, I love book club. We we talk about books often. Um, and I want to talk about you, though. I want to talk about how you got to where you are. Um, so we can start with Brandy, the, the hygienist, Brandy, the RDH, because that's really where it started, right? It's from being a hygienist, being successful. And then obviously, you saw a lot of ways things could improve, not only business wise, but quality of life, etc. And you kind of put those things out. And then obviously you've had a very strong response. I've never met a human that has anything negative to say about you. Anyway, <laughs> and all of the, all of our dental circles. Where did, the, where did the hygiene journey start? Did you always want to be a hygienist when you were younger? Was that like always on the radar? Absolutely. So my uncle Steve growing up was a dentist. And my aunt Sherry was an assistant in the front office. And so when I would go to the dentist, it was in a couple of towns over. I'm from small town, Idaho. It's a little town called Payette, right on the Snake River between Oregon and Idaho. My uncle was a dentist in Nyssa, Oregon. And so I would get to go and stay the night at my grandma's house, go to the dentist, have lots of fun with my aunt and uncle. And then my grandmother would take me for donuts at the M&W afterwards, which is nice. a little contradictory looking back, but whatever. That's okay. That's what grandma's for. 
that's what grandmas are for. And so I knew that I always, I mean, I picked in eighth grade that I was going to go to ISU just like my dad did and then become a dental hygienist. And I did that. And interestingly, as I went the first time I applied to the program, I didn't even get invited back to the open house. So, you know, that's the first, like, you would want to consider major fail, right? Like, oh, Brandy didn't even, she didn't even make the first cut. Well, the next year I made the cut and got in and collectively our class had the most alternates accepted and the lowest collective GPA that had been in the program for the last couple of years. And I am so proud to say that to this day, anyone that has been around the hygiene program, we are still the favorite class because while we weren't perfect straight A's get in on the first try people, we were really well-rounded and took incredible care of each other as a class and didn't compete and put each other down. We lifted each other up and studied late and we met every week for nachos and margaritas and, um, or, you know, both unleaded and leaded. We always made comments like whether um, partook in alcohol or not. So everyone was always invited. And that's where it really started for me to learn that it's so much more. It is not about the shiny grade. It is not about the shiny accolade. It is about being a quality human being with the people that you're surrounded by. Um, so then I practiced hygiene. I had the brilliant opportunity to create and implement my own program at a brand new office and practiced hygiene for a few years and did the very best that I could do. And I believe still to this day, my healthy patients got really, really quality care. And my super diseased patients got really great scaling and replaining and paranormal maintenances. Mm -hmm. But where the vast majority of the problem with our patients with, with disease, those early diseases, those um, not quite bad enough to sound the four alarm, like just such a huge portion of our population, we're getting me trying to make it okay and sweep the disease under the rug. And what I saw over time was that group of my patients got more diseased. Mm -hmm. After a couple of years of watching this huge patient population not get better. And, you know, I had got all the calculus off and I had polished so nice and I talked till I was blue in the face about brushing and flossing and power toothbrushing and water picking and all the things. And they were like not hearing me and they were not getting better. In fact, as they were getting bone loss and I was watching the x-rays under my own care get bone loss. Anyway, so then I was like, you know, sometimes the universe just hits you upside the head and says, hey, here's an idea. <laughs> So I went on this really incredible journey to um, a different way of care, a different way of operating with your patients so that not only can they hear you, but more importantly, you can hear them. Mm -hmm. You can give them the tools that they need to make their own decisions. Love it. It's been so fun because what came out of all of that is this system where I truly teach other professionals how to have them teach their patients to diagnose their own disease. And when someone diagnoses their own disease, there's no case presentation. I have not sold a treatment yet plan in about a decade. 
there is no, is Brandy right? Is Brandy wrong? Does Brandy want to make money? Does Brandy, there's none of that. It's just all about the patient saying, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? You know, there are a few qualifications. Is the bone healthy and is there bleeding? And if not, then the patient gets to say, oh, I have bleeding and bone loss. What are we going to do? And then as the professional, Sean, you get to look at the patient and say, oh, I'm so glad you asked. Well, we have a couple of options here. It's do nothing, good, better, and best, right? Mm -hmm. And then the patient is completely in charge of their own outcome. And, And now not only do they choose to do the treatment that they need, they also are very inspired to take better care of themselves as a whole human, not just brushing and flossing because they are seeing that it's connected to their whole body. Mm-hmm. But now we are having better days because we're fulfilling our desire, which for almost every health professional I've ever met was to help people be well. Right. Mm-hmm. We want to help people. So when you show up to work and you're helping people and you are now able to schedule the appropriate amount of time for each patient based on the level of disease or lack thereof, you're having better days. So at the end of your clinical day, you're pumped to go home with your family and you have energy mm-hmm. for what, what might be, you know, read a book, cook <laughs> dinner, drive the carpool. I mean, there's a million and one things that you can do after work. And often I see us dental professionals so drained and exhausted Mm -hmm. by the end of the day that we can't hardly get home and go through the drive-thru and hope that it's, um, you know, Claire's turn to drive carpool down the road because we don't have it in us. Mm -hmm. So did you develop this just kind of organically while you were seeing patients or was this kind of an idea that you pieced together after? Well, It's the universe helping me and a large group of other people piece it together. There were some incredible hygienists and doctors that came before me that were really able to say, hey, I mean, I went to this continuing education class in Utah, and I believe the gal's name was Stacy McAlally. So if she's listening, she was a part of Inspired Hygiene, and she made this comment about inflammation and had and tied it all together for what was happening in practices and i was like oh my gosh that's me those were my patients and so it was a major wake-up call and so absolutely there have been lots of really incredible professionals ahead of me and i just have um scooped up one of my top strengths is called input which means i really love information and to gather things so <laughs> i've been like scooping information up like a pack rat and then trying to synthesize it with my own patients and keep what works and discard what doesn't and in, and hopefully uh invite our colleagues to do the same like i'm going to give you the recipe that works really really well for me mm-hmm. And it won't work for you if you don't use your personality, your value system, your all of those, those things have to translate. But the premise is the same, right? It's really about empowering and equipping our patients so that their health is not on our shoulders. That's a that's a heavy weight. And and it's it's not our their choices, if we've done our best to empower and equip them, are not our responsibility but they do make better choices organically. So it ends up like taking care of itself really 
really well. Well, I love that your motivation was for doctors to not be exhausted anymore, basically, and, and teams not to be exhausted anymore. And that definitely does carry over to patient experience and home life and all those things when you're not. So I'm glad that you led with that. That's very, very cool that that was your motivation. And it, so is coming up with this, how the speaking, consulting, all of that, is that where it all started? Like, did you just, were people just like, hey, come talk about this? And you were like, okay, I'm a speaker now. Like, how did that happen? <laughs> okay, so... <clears throat> Um, about, so it was 2014, I was moving from the east side of the state, I live in Pocatello, I went to college, back over to the west side of the state. My grandfather was in the end stage of Alzheimer's disease, and I'm very, very close with my granny and grandpa, so I wanted to be close to them, help take care of him for, a you know, a comfortable exit, shall we say, mm-hmm. and then my most of my whole family is over there. So I was moving and devastated that I was leaving my clinical position in Pocatello because I had the best. I mean, I, like I said, I designed and implemented the program and it was beautiful. It had some holes in it. So then whenever I was like, hey, there's holes in our program, I had impeccable support to say, okay, well, what are we going to do? Let's let's fill in these gaps. And so I knew that a full-time clinical position was not going to be fulfilling to me. At that time, I was also president-elect for our state association and had been teaching at the university, um, primarily in senior clinic. And I just had been given a lot of these opportunities, this different way of practicing had been going so well. I saw that my production doubled, if not tripled, yeah, I was seeing half pa- half the patients that I was originally. So the business part was doing better. And more important than the production was that reduction in bleeding and inflammation. My patients were getting healthier. They were happy. They were, I mean, it was just beautiful. And then I had these other experiences that just, um, basically, and I'll just use my vocabulary. So if this isn't yours, if you're listening, just insert your own work. God gave me a list of things to do and then asked me to share them. I mean, really, I was given these gifts and then told to share. So it's not that I'm cool. It's that God, the universe, whatever divine you want to say, put me up to the task. So (laughs) it was not necessarily my choice. This is not what I envisioned when I was in eighth grade. Little Brandy Hooker, going to go to ISU and be a Bengal and a dental hygienist my whole life. That was not on the list. I just got called to it. So um, I answered. And so I talked to anyone and everyone that would visit with me because I didn't know what that looked like. Like, if you're not a hygienist, what are you? So then I came up with the best plan would be to be a consultant. And then I didn't quite find a great fit to be hired. So it's like, well, I have to create my own thing. So I created um, Stellar Outcomes. We jokingly called it Hooker's Hygiene in the beginning (laughs) because that's way funnier. It's way better. It's very catchy. (laughs) Then um, I realized in order to gain credibility to be hired as a consultant, that people had to see me and see that I was um, valuable. Mm -hmm. And so that is where the speaking. So I offered lunch and learns to people. I, I can still see the home printer one sheet on cardstock that I made uh, that I had to go peddling uh, to every dental office. 
Meanwhile, Patterson was building an education center in Boise. And so I was the first speaker there for um, what turned out to be the, a sold out audience and a really, nice. really great start to the speaking and, and coaching world. And for every single yes, for every single success, I can't even count how many times I was snubbed or told no or not responded to. And so I've noticed there's there's this, there's a lot of that like Instagram, Facebook, oh, it's all glamorous. And y'all, for every single thing that I have been able to be proud of, I've got a laundry list a mile long of things that didn't work out, things that didn't go good, things that I didn't get the opportunity for. And even times where I did get an opportunity and then the way that I showed up wasn't what I was hoping for. And so then still fell flat on my face, even with that opportunity that I was searching so like vigorously for. Mm -hmm. And so that that's, you know, basically where it started. And along the way, uh, I'm, I'm a, what we'll call a recovering people pleaser and always open to new ideas. And the hazard of that is I'm also willing to try whatever someone suggests. Mm -hmm. So for example, without the whole list, I'm randomly a CPR instructor because one of the reps for the dental company said, oh, you know what a great way to get in offices would be just to go teach CPR because everyone needs CPR. So I did all the rigmarole to get to the point where I could be an American Heart Association CPR instructor. And I mean, everything, everything in between. You as a marketer know that there's so much noise out there. There's yes. just, I mean, we, the internet has, I feel like created an information apathy. People are digging, 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 and getting all this information, but they don't really have anything to show for it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can yeah. get, I get lost online and I'm like, okay, well, I have nothing to show for my last 45 minutes other than mm -hmm. cute puppy videos. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, I mean, the, I'm sure the CPR may come in handy. So that's probably a, a good one to have in your in your tool belt for sure. The CPR instruction. Yeah, it was great. It was, I'm proud of my journey. I just hope that as I get to share with people that are hoping to make an impact outside of the clinic that I can oh, say, yeah, for sure. not everything is a good thing. That's phenomenal advice, especially just, you know, like the kind of silver bullet, the squirrel moments where it's the newest, greatest thing. So for me, it's TikTok. I hear so many dentists talk about doing TikTok. And that's fine, but it's going to do very little for your bottom line. And I don't care what any marketer tells you, whatever they want to sell you regarding TikTok. It's not going to really do anything to grow the practice unless you have 500 locations all over the country where anybody that's following you on TikTok can go. But I don't want to get on a marketing soapbox on the shows about you. No, I'm going to stick with the marketing for just a minute, if you don't mind, because here's the thing. Um, if that's what you're going for is to get new patients and get people in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out, you are asking for a ticket to that treadmill of the exhaustion that we were talking about at the beginning. Mm -hmm. That if that is what your practice is made up and that is where your energy is being spent, it is like a match instead of a long burning candle. We have not had, and this, 
this has been such a testament to the dedication to humanness, humanity in our office. We have not paid for advertising since 2008, and we are busier than we can manage based on word of mouth. Mm -hmm. People come and they get loved. Mm -hmm. They get taken care of. They get supported. They get, and and obviously, if you're starting a new practice, or I mean, there's a lot of reasons why word of mouth only doesn't work. And we really do need the assistance that you provide with the marketing. But what what experience do you want to have as a human professional? And if it's getting people in and out, 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 in and out there's no, in my opinion, there's no purpose to that there's no bigger meaning again like when you die do you want your patients to be like oh yeah that was like the fastest dental appointment i've ever like no one's ever going to remember that but when Mm -hmm. you go and they're like man dr evans made me feel seen and heard and loved and i had some hard times with my teeth and your teeth are your smile they're your eating we talked about italy and italy that you the your mouth is such a critical component to a well-lived life and so Mm -hmm. these opportunities to change people's trajectory that is big stuff you know i mean it may not be like the missionary that when you think of like you know churches around the world where they're trying to share that type of gospel but at the same time it really is you really are sharing love and light and hope and you have to eat or you die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you have to smile or you wither away and you know you've spread the research on hugs and all of those things like this is big. Our work is big is what I'm saying. Well I love the point about just hearing the real world that that the referral marketing engine is so strong because that a, a few doctors I really respect and look up to told me um, and I'd never heard a dentist say it to me before, obviously, but it was early in my career. They mentioned, you know, that their motivation was to make their patients not need them anymore because they get healthy and they can move on. Right. Yes. Right. <laughs> and so that's, I've always kind of carried that with me as a marketer where it's like, my job is to be essential, but not requisite. So in terms of like SEO, Google maps, those things are always going to be here. You're always going to have to play ball and swim in those waters. You don't have to but your business will suffer greatly if you don't. And so you need expertise in those areas, but teaching doctors about the fact that most people statistically are fearful of them. And so mm-hmm. that's how, that's why referrals work so well. Cause you're ripping down that fear base. Cause you have a trusted family member, friend, coworker that's gone and they vetted the process that you're not going to, you know, strap them to a metal chair in the basement and rip all their teeth out. It's a great place to go. And once you can really get that engine going, it's super powerful and it can, take the new patient chase off of the office where the doctors can just focus on providing quality care, putting everything out into the community that they want to in terms of their brand and their vision. And they quit chasing the silver bullets all the time. Mm-hmm. So I've had that's, uh, that conversation many times. It's a big motivation for me too, is to guide a practice to where that organic machine is running. Cause you have to cultivate it. You have to work at it. Cause not only yeah. do you give a good experience, but then you have to replicate that experience over and over. And then you have to capture the experience with having people say, Hey, it was a great, great place to go. It was awesome. And not just say it on a Google review. You have to have them out in the community saying it too. Right. Right. And there's no amount of coffee in the waiting room or pretty beautiful 
marketing online with the spa atmosphere that welcomes you. I mean, I, and I don't know how much time you've spent in a spa, but I've been into <laughs> the girls go get their hair done, you know, all those things. I've been into such a wide range of really beautiful places throughout my lifetime where some I came in and felt like I was so happy I was there. And some I felt like, Oh, uh, um, I don't think I'm supposed to be here. I'm very nervous all of a sudden, you know, I mean, and, and, and so much of that is how do you interact with people? Are you so happy? Are there, are you genuinely happy they're here? Are you genuinely happy that you're here? And if not, are you in the right spot? But that's a can of worms for another day. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I'm with you. And then, and then when we talk about that new patient, as far as referrals go, I, I think there's a large, um, what would we call this, elephant in the room that people don't remind us. New patients are your most expensive patients. And quality care in less patients often, if not always, is better for production. And I do not believe in having money be your why. I, I unfortunately just really don't, I can't, I can't get that. However, however, when you're doing the right thing, the money comes and is just a natural result of the energy that you are putting into the universe. And I think that we are meant to be prosperous so that we can then bless the people around us in our community. Like for example, um, one of the barriers to success to telling people, hey, we need to do more perio for our patients because half of the people have disease, but only 5% of our office is receiving that, that kind of care. And they're like, well, you know, people aren't, they don't have the money for it. They don't have the money for it. And it's been very satisfying to see that people actually do have the time and money for the things that they value. And when you're operating that way, your production and your uh, profit naturally increases so that when a human being comes and sits down in your chair and they truly, Sean, I mean truly do not have access to that resource of money, you can look at a human in the eye and say, I got you. Mm. I'm going to do this for you. And it like still chokes me up to this day. I've been practicing like this forever. When you get to bless someone like that with, I mean, I've worked so hard to be an excellent clinician. I've spent hours and hours and hours crafting my uh, process of care, my ability to be an incredible clinician, like all of it. I've put so much love and effort into it. And when I look at someone that really needs what I've worked so hard to attain and I can just say, I got you. Like, it is, it is, I, I, I mean, I clock out, I don't want anything to, you know, I'm in, I am in, and, and it's so rewarding and so fulfilling, and it makes me pumped to go to work the next day. But what's been interesting is even in my blue collar community, it doesn't happen as often as you would imagine that it does, because people really do figure out how to create the energy for what they need and want, regardless of what their, quote, fixed income is. Mm. And, and that's for the general population. And certainly it's a different conversation when we're looking at the underserved and the um, like below poverty line. And we've got strategies 
for those people as well. But anyway, just as a, if you're just a regular everyday doctor, hygienist, you know, like, like me, it's, people are excited to do what they value and those that can't is beautiful. I love that you said that. And if, you know, any ADM clients are listening, they've, they've likely heard me say to them, because I talk to docs a lot. I'm like, you know, do you want to be expensive or do you want to be valuable? Like they're two different things. And I say that often, everybody, everybody, marketing professionals, especially everybody wants to be expensive. Nobody really talks about being valuable anymore. And I think that's the fate that most dentists suffer at the hands of marketers is the marketer hasn't developed the acumen in dental specific. It's like the cardinal sins with dental websites. Most of the time is they're either too generic or they're too doctor heavy. So it's either just an homage to the doctor or it's just super generic, right? Which does nothing for the average person. It's all about Mm -hmm. that experience that you're talking about. And Mm -hmm. so to hear these principles on your side and the way that you're pulling them into everything gets me pumped up because I preach this all the time of, do you want to be expensive or do you want to be valuable? Because they're because I have a doctor comes to me, it's like, oh, you're, you're, you guys are kind of expensive. I'm like, no, we are the probably the best value in dentistry when you consider everything that I do for you and everything I know about your business that maybe you do know, but you just don't know how to put it to words yet or put it on paper yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something we definitely share is the expense versus the value and profit being, I think James Clear even says that in the book that profit's a natural consequence of providing value to people. It just naturally comes to you. So Good stuff. We got we got deep on this one and you didn't cry. So I'm proud of you because you said you were worried that you might cry and you didn't cry. So that's awesome. I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how do people get in touch with you? How do people first of all, how do they follow up to know when the book launches? And then how can they reach out if they have questions or they want to learn about the program? All right. So on social media, my handle is Stellar Outcomes just all one word, or you can visit me online at brandyhookerevans.com. Just my name, all one word. And in both of those places, there's lots of quick and easy ways to have links to the books. I have a study club for dental professionals that provide CE credit, um, fun articles written. And so they're really easy to get a hold of me. What's the free, do you, I know you have a free something. It, it caught my eye. It's like a worksheet or something that you can get on your website. Oh yeah. The team is. So if you go to my website and then sign up to be on the email list, which I almost never email. So there's no, there's no spamming. <laughs> <laughs> Only if there's something really important, then I will share it with you. Um, there is a teamwork worksheet that is really fun to print off and then take to a team lunch and, you know, go, go get a little Mexican food and work through it as a team and it will be a support. I have a feeling Mexican food had a, a lot to do with where stellar outcomes has, has come <laughs> to this point. Cause you've got leaded and unleaded. You've got nachos. Now we've got a, another reference to Mexican food. It's my goal in life to become fluent in Spanish. So I think it's just, you know, I'm circling around in that area. I'm not, I'm about like a three year old speaking, but I'm getting it. <laughs> well, it was awesome to have you on. I can't thank you enough. I, I feel like we could probably talk for a long, long time on so much of this stuff. So I'll probably have you back on again, you know, if we can work it out, but congratulations on the book. Thank you so much for spending time. 
you. Thank you. And I hope that you and your listeners have the most fulfilling holiday season. Thank you for having me today. I am wishing you and everyone that was with us today very well. You're the best. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sean. See you guys. (laughs) 